Welcome to Living Word Ministries with director and Bible teacher, Debbie Blank. Each week, Debbie examines current events through the lens of end times Bible prophecies. Please visit our website for information and past programs at livingwordministry.org. Now let's open our Bibles to focus on truths from God's Word with Debbie Blank. Most of us live by Jesus' golden rule, which is do unto others as you would have them do unto you, according to Matthew seven twelve. In other words, treat everyone with fairness and equality. But the term equality doesn't mean the same thing to everyone. As in many things these days, that verbiage has been turned upside down, so it actually means inequality. Even more sinister, it's come to mean special rights to some while others are being persecuted. That's what the Equality Act, which is just passed by Congress, will do. That's why it's important for us to investigate the truth behind this law and its wording, which is what we're going to do today. I'm Debbie Blank, wanting you to consider if you are ready and willing to stand for Jesus and for His truth in these ever-changing times. And I'm co-host Jackie Sailors. In the book of Acts, God sent Peter to witness to the Gentiles. And afterwards, Peter confesses, I now truly understand that God doesn't show favoritism, but that he welcomes those from every nation who fear him and do what is right. We as Christians must view all people the way God does. We want to be fair-minded in all that we do. But is the Equality Act really about equality and fairness? Like the proverbial Trojan horse, the Equality Act may seem good at first glance, but its contents will lead to destruction. The bill actually redefines the concept of equality as we know it and turns it on its head, destroying American religious and civic rights. Well, let's talk about this Equality Act. It's designed to amend the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which you'll recall was instituted in order to give black Americans equal rights. What it would do is prohibit discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity in employment, housing, public accommodations, public education, federal funding, credit, and the jury system. While the basis of anti-discrimination sounds great, how could we be upset with anything like that? Because it's a positive move. This bill is anything but that. It's been presented in Congress every year for the last six years, was passed in the House of Representatives last year and again this year, and is up for vote now in the Senate. By the time this show airs, it may already have been voted upon. If passed, it's going to serve to codify the freedoms of the LBGTQ movement and the fabric of America. And yet it's going to reject our essential Christian teachings. How can that be? How can they take away our First Amendment rights? How can they take away our freedom of religion and the Religious Reformation Act? Well, that's what this act does. It supersedes all of our religious freedoms. That is not right. You would think they'd at least have to have a vote of the people if they're going to try and take away our First Amendment rights. Well, while we believe the Declaration of Independence that all men are created equal, and we believe the Bible when it says we're all created in the image and likeness of God, doesn't matter if we're gay or if we're straight, we strongly reject this Equality Act because it opposes God's truth and will transform America in ways that we never have had before, nor do we want. Well, it seems to me that it's truly unconstitutional, and we're going to be examining how it does go against the First Amendment to the Constitution and our religious rights. 
But it's also interesting in light of a Christian definition of the word equality. I looked it up, and it's just a quick a two-part definition, but it says, the scripture declares that all people are equal in the sight of God and that all are equally in need of the redemption achieved through the saving death of Jesus Christ. And that second part is so important. We don't want to do anything or have anything hamper our ability to be able to help have those people that need to come to Christ come to Christ. We don't need the gospel message to be muzzled. It's important for us, for our religious freedoms, and it's important for those who still need to be saved. Well, you're talking about religious freedom, so let's start with that. One of the things that this act will do, if approved, is severely erode our religious freedoms. So while other people can act the way they want to act with their sexual identity, we cannot act or speak in biblical ways in our religious convictions. The Equality Act will expressly exempt itself from the Religious Freedom Reformation Act. That was passed in 1993 to solidify, codify our First Amendment rights of freedom of speech and freedom of religion. But this specifically says in the bill that it supersedes it. That means it takes away our religious rights. I think there will be many lawsuits against this if that happens, because as you say, I don't think they have the right or ability to do that. The Equality Act will point out that the Bible's incompatible with the law now of the United States if this indeed becomes law. How can that be? How can our Bible, of which the country was founded on the Bible and Christian principles, how can that now be incompatible with our laws, and which, by the way, our laws were built on the Bible, on biblical principles? It will assault our freedom of speech as Christians in the public sphere, here on the radio, for our pastors, in the pulpit, in educational Christian institutions. We're going to be muzzled as Christians or sued, one of the two. The very teachings of Christianity taken directly from the pages of Scripture are going to be considered bigotry or unlawful or hate speech. We talked about that a few weeks ago when we talked about possibly the Bible being banned in this country. Well, the Equality Act could do that very thing. And the question is, what is it about the Bible? What is it that's going to be bigoted and hate speech? It has to do with what the Bible teaches about God created male and female, man and woman, and that marriage is to be between a male and a female. And in the book of Leviticus, there's several places where God in uh, chapter 18 calls some of the acts that are being talked about with the sexual freedom, uh, debauchery, abominations, worthy of death. And yet we're allowing it as law in our country. It's one thing to have a freedom to do what you feel is right. It's another thing to have special accommodations, special rights that supersede other people's rights. So therefore, if we ever speak the truth of the Bible, if we read these scriptures that disagree with what would then become law, we are going against the law. Well, we here on this show will speak the truth of God. We will speak as Peter and John do. And that is by saying, whether it's right in the sight of God, you be the judge. But we cannot stop speaking. That's which we have seen and heard, according to Acts chapter four. So we will continue to speak the truth. Now, as we go on about these eroding of religious freedoms under the Equality Act, we find out that the Equality Act's expansion of public accommodations could require churches and houses of worship to violate their beliefs regarding how they use their facilities. So our churches could be required to hold gay pride festivals. 
uh, to participate in things like that, even though they wouldn't agree with it from a biblical standpoint. Think about the employment laws that would change, that would perhaps require our churches, our synagogues, to hire people or not be able to fire people once they find out of their sexual orientations. But people who do not agree with their biblical stance, you could even have pastors who are hired because of their biblical beliefs, but then they change those beliefs and the church will not be able to fire them. And they could stand up and espouse things that the Bible and the church don't agree with. And then you have federal aid, which if you receive any money from the federal government, then under the Equality Act, that money can be taken away from you if you do not use it in accordance with these directives. Remember that faith-based organizations and lots of other organizations play a vital role in the adoption of foster care system. And they receive federal funds under the Title IV program of the Social Security Act. They could lose their funding if they don't agree to foster kids in transgender homes or in sexually explicit homes. We've already seen that happen with the Catholic Church, where they were shut down because of a similar law in Illinois. And it's happening in agencies in Pennsylvania, New York, and Illinois, and California, Massachusetts, and D.C., and everywhere else. What a shame that these organizations have to close because of an innocuous law that affects a few people, and yet it's now going to affect our foster care system. Which is so sad because at least those children displaced, I don't even know what would happen if that happened on a a broad basis because it did leave kids just kind of hanging in the system who could have had homes and now some of those parents won't be considered qualified. So that's another aspect of that system and what could happen to it. It also says it will open the floodgate of litigation against Christians, 501c3 organizations with the potential of removing their status as a nonprofit organization and using taxation as a form of penalty to weaken the footprint of Christianity in our nation. Ultimately, that's one of the goals, is to weaken the footprint of Christianity in our nation. And certainly, look at all these tools that they're being able to use now. When you look at the funding and being able to use it as a penalty, it's kind of like people saying in the first place, we probably never should have taken government money because then they can always take it away. So there's that carrot and that stick. There's the the bribery of money and then the penalty of either being able to take it away or being able to prosecute you, um, even criminally, for some of these things. And I thought about when you talked about hiring What if you need to fire somebody for cause? They really need to be fired, but they can come and say, no, you're discriminating against them for uh, gender identity or sexual preference or something else. I'm familiar with an organization who has not been given money through the CARES organization dealing with the COVID and helping other people throughout the COVID situation because they're religious 501c3 and they only hire Christian people in their organization. Well, so they've been discriminated against already from local governments because of that. Now, they don't discriminate in any way publicly whatsoever, just in their hiring practices, but they were not allowed to receive federal money. You look at Living Word Ministries. We're a 501c3 nonprofit organization. We may, along with numerous other ones around the country, be required to go from a nonprofit religious organization to a church in order not to be held accountable to these laws. However, if the Equality Act is passed, it won't even protect churches, so it wouldn't protect us under that particular provision anyway. 
The Equality Act, as you said earlier, is a Trojan horse that results in the lawful discrimination, lawful discrimination of us as Christians. What a shame that is since our founding fathers established us as a Christian nation. I'm thinking, too, of after-school programs here in Omaha that are funded by the city of Omaha that are held in churches. Well, they're going to be required to compromise their Christian beliefs or not take that money. And from the ones I know of, they won't take the money, which means they're going to close the programs designed to help the students in these after-school programs. What a shame. What horrible religious persecution we're going to go undergo. And then the question is, are we just going to sit back and take it? Are we going to say, okay, I'm not going to mention anything about my religious beliefs. I'm going to compromise because it's the best thing for these after-school kids, or it's the best thing for the religious ways we're handling our organization or whatever. We want to help people, so therefore we'll just close our mouths. No, we cannot do that. But if we speak up, we'll be sued, or we will be mistreated and maligned, but probably we'll not receive the funding we need and our doors may be closed. You consider that most nonprofits get a lot of money from corporations. The corporations are going to be affected. They're not going to be allowed to give money to organizations who do not go along with or agree with the Equality Act. So as far as anything to do with religious organizations or functions or whatever, those are all going to be at risk. But what about what this can do to the family, just your own family? It's so sad to think about this. By the way, a lot of the information that we're getting, we have researched through the Family Research Council, the Heritage Foundation, and many other resources. So we're providing you identical information to what is out there in the public venue. Now, we have not read the 500-page document that is the Equality Act, but we trust those sources that have read it and tell us what this will mean and give us the exact wording of things that are in it. One of the major issues we'll see with the Equality Act is the transformation of our educational system, which directly affects the family. Consider that kids will be actually already are encouraged to question their sexual identity, even as early as kindergarten in our public schools. Children are going to be allowed to make sexual identity decisions with the help of their educators and counselors, but not their parents. We have examples of how parental rights have already been eroded. When some Ohio parents declined hormone treatment for their child, the Child Protective Services stepped in, and the parents were ultimately stripped of their parental rights because somebody decided, besides their child, that this child should be able to receive hormone treatments. Well, we know that physically, hormone treatments are horrible for the kids. 80 to 95% of children with gender dysphoria no longer feel distressed by their bodies after puberty. We know that activists have been pushing for social transition as young as four, puberty-blocking drugs as young as nine, cross-sex hormones as young as 14, and surgery by 18. What child understands their body at that point to make those kinds of life-changing decisions? So many people who have gone that route as they're getting older now are saying that they wish they hadn't done it. But parents' rights are being usurped by the schools, the educators, the counselors, who now apparently know more about our child and what's best for our child than we do as parents. And so what they do with these children in so young, 
they're just learning about life as little kids, just about everything. And, and they have to trust what adults tell them. So that you put them into a school situation and they give them what they call ideological training. Well, that's brainwashing. We've talked about brainwashing and propaganda recently. That's what that is. You take those young minds and then you put these thoughts into their minds. And so the whole concept of, of male and female and binary sexual orientations, when you talk about the family, the concept of mother and father is gone. They just want parent and anything that's neutral. When you're talking about this sex change and the kinds of things that the hormones and the medications and the mutilation surgeries do to someone who might change their mind later on in their life, as you said, there are people with testimonies out there that will break your heart about their regrets of having done this kind of transitional surgery. So they take the rights away from the parents. And then the physicians who have sworn to do no harm or doing something that may very well be extremely harmful. It's such a sad situation. In his book, Family Driven Faith, Vody Bauckham made a controversial statement regarding public education. He said, we cannot continue to send our kids to Caesar for their education and be surprised when they come home as Romans. Do you know what your kids are learning in school? What they're being taught, not just in their textbooks, but in the classrooms with their guest speakers, with transgender people reading to our children, with the sex education and the information that's provided, actually pornographic information that's provided to our young kids to promote sex, to promote gender questioning and gender identity. Find out what's happening in your schools. We as parents must take back the education of our kids. We must take back the importance of training up our kids and what a nuclear family is, one man and one woman as parents. And then you mentioned the medical profession. Do we realize that the Equality Act would force doctors and others who provide legitimate hormone treatments and some surgical procedures for patients with certain physical conditions, they're going to then have to offer those treatments to individuals with gender dysphoria, regardless of their moral and medical opinions, even at young ages. Consider how it would force hospitals and change insurances to provide and pay for the therapies, which might have moral objections. You have a lot of Catholic hospitals and Lutheran hospitals and Baptist hospitals who have particular moral beliefs. What's going to happen to them when they are forced to do these procedures in their hospitals? By the way, the fight's already here. Catholic hospitals in California and New Jersey have been sued for declining to perform simple hysterectomies on otherwise healthy women who want to become men. So it's already here and it's going to get worse. If you look at a 2011 Swedish study, which is one of the most important ones on this issue, they found that post-surgery individuals had a suicide completion rate 19 times higher than general population. That means that once they get a sex change, that doesn't solve their emotional problems or their questions or their insecurities that they have. Their psychiatric hospitalizations are almost three times higher than that of other students their age. There's also evidence that puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones can cause cancer and heart disease and diabetes and blood clots and strokes and more. Our bodies weren't made to take those kinds of drugs, especially at such a young age. And then consider, of course, the most important fact of all, and that is that God made us male and female. 
He didn't make us to choose what we want to be. We have choices as to what we do with our lives. But God designed us in a particular way, had a perfect plan laid out for us when he created us as boys or girls. And to have a sexual change because we say we were really born a female when we were in a male body is to say that God made a mistake. But isn't that where we are in our society? We're trying to negate God in everything. And that's really anti-science. We're taking psychology and politics over science. The science is that no matter what kind of a sex change surgery you have, no matter what kind of hormones you take, every cell in your body is either male or female. It's in your genetic code. That part can't be changed. So what you're trying to do is have the appearance of being a different sex, but every cell in your body is crying out that you are what God made you to be. That's why you have to continue to suppress these things with these hormones. It does make you wonder what that would do to the human body. And we have, as a result of that, we have boys competing in girls' athletics. So what we're doing is unfairly penalizing female athletes by allowing these biological men to participate in their sports. It would undermine our real civil rights gains for women in the sports arena. For example, recently, biological boys won first and second place in a Connecticut girls' high school indoor track championship. As a result, Selena Soul, one of those two girls who came in third rather than her other friend fourth, she lost the race and she lost a chance to be scouted by college coaches and selected for scholarships. She said, we all know the outcome of the race before it even starts. It's demoralizing. How can we do that to our young girls? How can we supersede current laws that are on the books that protect and give opportunities to girls? And then you consider more importantly, our girls' privacies and their safety. The Equality Act's expansion of the Title II public accommodation definition means that females would no longer have privacy in public bathrooms, locker rooms, showers, or even battered women's shelters. Now, we've talked about this for several years, that it was being changed already. As a matter of fact, I just read that there's a law being considered in California that requires department stores to have gender-neutral toy departments so that girls and boys cannot be discriminated against no matter what they want to look at. But anyway, getting back to the bathroom bill, a kindergartner was assaulted by a boy in her school bathroom. A rape survivor was forced to quit her job when her employer began allowing men into the women's private facilities. A man was allowed residence in a shelter and nine women are suing because they were sexually harassed. How crazy is that, that we're allowing men to go into female secure places of safety and abuse the women in the process. Now, the word abortion evidently doesn't appear anywhere in the 500 and some pages of the Equality Act, and yet some say that this act, if enacted, will be the most pro-abortion legislation to pass the House in a decade. How is that? Well, it would define prohibitions on sex discrimination to include preventing treating pregnancy or related medical condition which can include abortions. In other words, this change would essentially create an abortion mandate. It jeopardizes longstanding federal conscience laws, which we're seeing diminished anyway, 
But those laws have protected us in abortions. And the Hyde Amendment, which prohibited taxpayer funding of abortion, it's also going to be in jeopardy if the Equality Act is passed. It's the most anti-life, anti-family, anti-faith agenda ever perpetrated in America. And by the way, we have to realize the corporate world's not going to be immune to this also. We've been talking about religious rights and moral rights, but consider that, that the decisions are going to be made for businesses as to who they can hire and who they can fire as employees. It's going to determine the insurance that they offer to their employees and how much more that may cost because of gender identity surgery. It's going to consider how they can give their money away. What organizations can they support and still fall within the Equality Act and not be penalized and not be found? If we as Christians own businesses and we have certain moral standards that we follow in our businesses, we're not going to be allowed to follow those moral standards anymore. We're going to have to follow the legal mandates. Then you consider the Civil Rights Act and what this does to the Civil Rights Act. Remember that this is an addendum really to the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which was a racial anti-discrimination act. Well, this is a sexual anti-discrimination act. You can't change your race. You are born with a certain racial identity. Well, you can change your sex. Your sex these days is fluid. So that almost negates or at least makes you question the civil rights identity. As we're looking at this social justice and critical race theory kind of identity and how evangelical leaders are embracing that, we're kind of watering down our Christianity to embrace a new woke movement mentality rather than following the biblical mentality. As we do that, the sexual identity is gonna follow right on the heels of what's happening with racial identity As a matter of fact, the president of G3 Ministries recently said, quote, behind the racism boxcar on the social justice train is the LBGTQA boxcar. You can't have one without the other. So the language of this systematic injustice will now be reintroduced to be used in areas of the LBGTQA and to promote their agenda that claims the system is unjustly discriminated against gays and transgender persons. We've turned our world upside down. We are taking real issues like civil rights of African-Americans and we're adding to them sexual agendas. This is wrong. This is not the direction our country should be going. And yet that's what this Equality Act does. So what can we do about this Equality Act? First and foremost, we need to pray. That's always our number one tool because God can change our hearts to show us what he would have us do. And God can change other people's hearts so that bills like this are not enacted. And we can take a proactive measure by contacting our United States senators in order to share with them our beliefs. From a spiritual standpoint, we need to be prepared for the persecution that's coming. Because if this law is enacted this year or next year or the next, because it will continue to come up each and every year until people's morals are knocked down. When that persecution happens, we need to remember Jesus told us it would in John 15, 20. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And in 2 Timothy 3, 12, we're told, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So we need to transform our minds, according to Romans 12, 1, so that we are prepared for this persecution. We're living for Christ so we can sustain this persecution, so he can guide us through this persecution. 
And Romans 12, 1 says, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So let's renew our minds in Christ Jesus. Let's abide in him. Let's read how Jesus and the saints of the Bible handled persecution, like Daniel and Moses and Paul and Peter, and of course, Jesus how they dealt with it so that we can know how to deal with it. And finally, I leave you with the idea of humbling ourselves before the Lord. In James 4, 7 to 10, we're told, Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. If we will humble ourselves before the Lord, he will be our Lord. We will follow him. We will do what he calls us to do. He will guide us. He will take care of us. And he will be our strength and our power to overcome the persecution that we are going to experience. Thank you for joining us today on Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank. This is a listener-supported show. If you'd like to support this program or contact Debbie Blank, you may do so at P.O. Box 540-003, Omaha, Nebraska, 68154, or visit our website at livingwordministry.org. Please tune in each week at this same time for Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank.